You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Babisa Sharma here in London and I am delighted to be joined by Barry O'Byrne, the CEO of Global Commercial Banking at HSBC. Amit Lohia is with me too, Vice Chairman of Indorama Corporation. And Janet Henry is here too, the Global Chief Economist for HSBC. Thank you all very much for being here today. Now, our topic for discussion is how will businesses build beyond 2020? It has, of course, been a year like no other, hasn't it? COVID-19 has really challenged the way that businesses have been able to operate in a way that few could have predicted. So I think the key question today is how are companies like yours planning to rebuild in the year ahead Are firms thinking about international trade, supply chains, for example, technology and sustainable practices? And crucially, what are the priorities now moving into 2021? Well, HSBC's latest Navigator report launched today, and it has gathered insights from over 10,000 businesses around the world across 39 countries and territories. It was conducted during September and October of this year. And it really does reveal what thousands of business leaders are thinking about the future. It's a massive piece of research. So let's get into it. And Barry, welcome. I want to start with you about this report and really how it's been able to take the pulse of what companies are thinking after such a challenging, turbulent year for so many. So if you can please start by giving us an overview of some of the most eye-catching findings of this report. That's great. Thanks, Babita. It's just an extensive piece of research. It features interviews with 10,000 businesses across 39 different countries and territories. And I guess in terms of some of the highlights that we've seen, there are a couple that I would call out in particular. The first is what we're seeing is a two-speed economic recovery. Um, and this is something that businesses have been referring to. I think the recovery is going to span multiple different years. And really what has also changed is how businesses measure success in the post-COVID era. I think some companies will emerge from the COVID pandemic faster. And I think they're really the beta what we're seeing are those companies that have invested online, businesses that are very intense in their digital offering. Um, so they'll bounce back faster. And also some geographies that we'll see bounce back faster from um, the COVID period as well. In terms of what companies are seeing, half of the companies that we've spoken to, they expect to return to profitability or pre-COVID levels of profitability by the end of 2021, which is very positive. But a further third expect it will take until the end of 22 to get there, 10%, 23, and then 6% feel it will be 2024 before they get back to pre-COVID levels of profitability. But it's also important to recognize, Bavita, that 8% of companies that we spoke to have grown their profits across this period as well. So it is a very dynamic landscape, um, but the expectation right now is we'll see a multi-tier recovery as we emerge from the COVID period. 
Yeah, many people listening to that will feel that uh, it might be a surprise that a return to profitability by the end of next year for some. But like you said, there have been winners in terms of how this year has panned out for some companies. So I suppose, you know, this is one of the biggest surveys of its kind that has been conducted. So drilling down a deep further, if we can, I think what we'd really like to know is who will emerge intact from this pandemic. So, you know, in terms of a business sense, who is designed to come out stronger, if you like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, first thing to say, and this has come through in all of the research from the businesses that we've spoken to, is companies are incredibly resilient. And the vast majority of companies have found ways to respond to this crisis. So in as much as they face the same storm, they find themselves in very different boats as well in terms of their ability to react and the way in which they've been able to adapt to the crisis. I think you know, it's important to say that different sectors are facing unique challenges, and we're also seeing that at a geographical level as well. So it's not equal by any means. Um, I think what the crisis has done is it's shaping those companies' decisions around investment, where they embrace technology, and also where they target future growth as well. And all of the businesses that we've spoken to have really recognized that responsibility, resilience, and reputation are going to underpin their long-term success and the pace at which they recover. So getting it right is really challenging, um, but the potential societal and commercial benefits associated with getting it right are really important as well. I think a couple of things I would say, Babita. So you know, there's a very clear message coming through that digital is key to success. And really those high growth companies are the ones that have been able to move their sales practices online very, very quickly. 32% of the companies that we spoke to, they really expect that technological investment and technology will play a key part in their recovery. So that's an area of big focus for them. And then 88% of the companies that we've spoken to, if they're investing in digital tools, they're investing in platforms. So a very positive message there that the companies continue to invest. So resilient businesses continue to invest in areas where they see future for growth as well. And I think you know, a couple of other points I would call out, 90% of the businesses are really focused on empowering and upskilling their employees. And in research we did earlier this year, employees generally have been a huge area of focus for business. And then finally, sustainability. And I think this is where we've seen a big shift. So 86% of the businesses that we've spoken to expect that the effort they're making in sustainability, their focus on sustainability is really going to help boost their sales going forward. And that's really lovely to hear, actually. It's almost like a cycle where you're saying around the employees, they're at the heart of what businesses are doing. I think there's definitely been a shift, hasn't there, Barry, in terms of mindset and what the key priorities are. Um, yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree with that. I think there's very much a sense of we're all in this together. And I think that is one of the noted differences to maybe the last economic crisis as well. So that companies are helping each other. They're helping their employees very much as they kind of look to the future and hopefully the world emerging from this period. Yeah, there's no discrimination, is there, when it comes to COVID-19 and no. the fact that we are all in it together. I mean, absolutely. So the world just seems smaller, doesn't it, in that respect? Um, let's bring in Amit. I think this is a really good opportunity, Amit. Welcome to you. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'd really I'd love really to know what the picture is like 
on the ground for major corporations like your own. And of course, you are in Asia, where the corporation is based, compared to other regions, of course, there has been a different trend emerging. Right. So if you can, just paint a picture of what 2020 has been like for you, firstly. Thanks, Babita. For those who don't know us that well, we're an industrial group based in Singapore, and we manufacture a range of downstream chemical products. We primarily serve four markets. Our fertilizers are going into agriculture. Our plastic resins are used for mostly packaging applications. Our medical gloves are for the healthcare industry. And our textile products go into various kinds of apparel. The first three areas that I mentioned, you know, agriculture, packaging, and uh, healthcare, of course, are, are quite resilient this year. I, I, I don't think that's very surprising for many people. Food is as essential as it can be, and governments everywhere are ensuring that there are no supply chain disruptions there. Plastic usage has been very strong because of its inherent practical benefits. People are, again, going back and realizing you know, all of the merits which made plastics popular to begin with. Most notably, it's safe, it's hygienic. For example, almost all of the face masks that you see are made from plastic polymers like polyester, polypropylene. And demand for medical gloves is naturally off the roof. And we're seeing uh, this new retail component of demand, which uh, we believe is here to stay as well. I'm just going to bring in Janet, I mean, if I can. Janet, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, looking at it from an economic point of view about which businesses are going to bounce back best and why. Um, and on that point, actually, is it time to be bullish or to be cautious? It's a great question. Uh, Janet? That, that's a very broad question. And obviously, it depends which sectors and even within sectors, which companies. There are always going to be relative winners um, and relative losers. But I think, as, as, as Barry and Amit have already made clear, it's all about digital um, and sustainability and to some degree about social equity as well. I mean, Barry touched on this with regard to how companies support each other. And, and increasingly what we've seen in the midst of the pandemic is this awareness that everyone's in it together uh, and maybe there are, are broader social perspectives being involved as well. But I would say it, it is going to be the users of technology and the speed with which companies put this in place that are going to be probably the biggest winners. Mm -hmm. um, we've already seen transformational changes in the midst of the pandemic. Um, companies putting in place working from home arrangements that seemed impossible to achieve in five years they seem to have done it in the space of just a few months. So I think we're putting in place those technologies, rolling them out and achieving productivity gains on the back of it. So whether that's in healthcare and education um, or, or areas of telemedicine in particular, but also broader service sector areas, putting in place those technologies and doing it quickly before their competitors that will be the biggest beneficiaries of that. Sure. I mean, Amit, just going back to you, just in terms of what Janet was saying about the technology, how imperative has that been to what you do? Uh, very, very important. Uh, I think the survey, what I read from HSBC, pretty bang on on the things which have been highlighted. And we're spending a lot of time as well and effort on new digital tools across our organization. I'd say we thought everything was up to date and modern. But then we go and look at what's out there now available. And we're pretty antiquated, it seems, in every in every function things have moved, have evolved so fast and with the iCloud, with the cloud-based applications now, 
you know, it changes so many things how we do things. Yeah, it really does. And it's a rapid transformation, isn't it, when it comes to tech? And you've almost got to be at the forefront or catching it before it, it becomes the norm. Barry, this is a really good opportunity, I think, for us to discuss now, you know, in terms of, and I know you're supporting customers and businesses, and that's very much at the forefront of the approach that you have in commercial banking. But in terms of on the ground, what it's like day in, day out for businesses, what have you found from the Navigator report and indeed widely about dealing with customers and, and what the global picture is like? Yeah, so as you said, Vivido, we talk to um, businesses across pretty much every region of the world as we conducted the research. But you know, part of our business as well, a huge part of our business is obviously serving customers across 53 different markets and territories. So we've got a unique perspective in that regard. You know, the businesses we spoke to, particularly through the research, you know, what they told us were there were sectors that are optimistic and then there are sectors that are less optimistic as the world um, begins to shift its focus and things about vaccines and emerging from this period. And I think maybe to touch a little bit on the, the former to begin with. So I think, you know, amongst the sectors that are most optimistic around their future growth um, potential and opportunities are pharma advertising, PR. So they're right up there with the most optimistic sectors. And then in the latter category and those that, you know, we've seen optimism lower, I would say it's very much automotive, telecoms, tourism and education. And I think for those watching today, that won't come as a surprise that the, those sectors have been hardest hit through this period and, and will find it more challenging to emerge. I think importantly, you know, the, the world's been very focused on some of the geopolitical debate around trade as well and half of the businesses or more than half of the businesses that we've spoken to they do expect trade and international trade to become more challenging but the really positive message that came through was their appetite for international trade is really undiminished so you know there's a realism there they know it's going to become more challenging in the future but undiminished appetite to continue to conduct trade and i guess you know, three quarters of the businesses are positive on international trade and the impact international trade will have on their growth over the next two years. And you start to ask the question why. So a big part of it is obviously from a revenue generation and business performance point of view. But interestingly, 30% of the businesses also spoke to the societal benefit associated with international trade. And then 24% of the businesses they really recognize the benefit trade brings from an infrastructure point of view as well. So, you know, in the past, there's been a lot of dialogue around globalization. I think what we're seeing here is, you know, still a big focus amongst businesses for international trade and a broader lens in terms of why that's important. I think, you know, a trend we have seen through the year has been firms focused on their supply chain um, and really looking at reshaping their supply chains as well. So, you know, taking that focus from ensuring their supply chain is resilient and turning that into action. So how do they reshape it? And I think what we're seeing there is, you know, 28% of businesses diversifying um, and 20% reducing. But again, the percentage diversifying obviously outweighing those that are that are reducing. And I think we've seen the emergence of an important phenomenon, which is inter-regional supply chains. So there will always be a need for big global supply chains for certain products, but I think more inter-regional supply chains beginning to emerge or country plus models as well. 
Um, and two and five businesses have spoken about their focus on that area. And then in Asia, we've seen um, the importance of China come through and China replacing the U.S. for the businesses we've spoken to in terms of its most important trading partners. So a lot happening, very dynamic. But I think, you know, the good thing is big recognition of what um, international trade can continue to bring for businesses and that underlying message of diversification as well and its importance. Yeah, and it's almost a relief to hear you say that because, you know, there was a question mark about how we would operate in a post-pandemic world. And, you know, to hear that that international trade is at the heart of it, I think, shows how robust businesses can be in this climate. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, yeah, again, for different reasons, right? So, and I think this ties back into my comment on ESG at the outset. I think the societal importance of international trade and what it brings to economies is not lost on businesses. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, with that in mind, then, should we talk about 2021? Well, let's talk about 2021, because, Janet, I know, you know, a lot of the companies that have informed this Navigator survey, almost half of them are expecting, they've told us, to return to pre-COVID profitability by the end of 2021. So... With that in mind, what kind of economic environment are they heading into in 2021? Well, currently, the economic picture is quite varied around the world. Those parts of the world where the virus is more under control or restrictions are a lot lower, they are still seeing an ongoing recovery. And in some countries, particularly in China, it really is quite robust. Other countries, particularly in Europe, um, not really on top of the pandemic, near term, they're seeing some downside risks. So in some of the advanced economies, there is still in the very near term a bit of uncertainty. But broadly, um, the, the recovery is likely to improve. And although there will be some lasting implications from the pandemic, and I think we'll see that in labour markets in particular, the mm. thing that I find quite encouraging from this survey is, is the fact that it was undertaken before the good news on the vaccine. I think Barry will correct me, but the survey period was really kind of mid-September to mid-October. The yeah, good that's news right. on all three vaccines um, came through after the US election, so a bit more recently. So the fact that half of companies were already expecting to be back at profitability by the end of 2021, that's encouraging because if we get some rollout of the vaccine by the middle of 2021, that starts to pose some upside risks. But again, there will be some country variations on, on our economic forecasts. Um, it's yeah, Asia, it's the likes of Korea, Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore, apart from China, of course, that we think will be back there. In Europe, it's really Scandinavia and um, America might just about be there. So there are some regional variations. Other countries will be a bit further out. Um, and I think the other important point from a kind of economic outlook it should still be quite a good environment from a kind of interest rate perspective. So for companies to feel more confident that, that, that interest rates are going to stay low, that their investment prospects are still going to be quite good. And then finally, I would reiterate Barry's point regarding trade. Um, in the midst of uh, these uncertainties on trade, the recent signing of the RCEP agreement um, amongst the Asia-Pacific economies, ASEAN, as well as you know, China um, and Korea, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, that shows that there is still ongoing liberalisation in at least some parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, Amit, I don't know if what you've heard there concurs with your experience on the ground. I mean, what measures, if you can tell us, are you taking it in Dharama in response to 
what's happened this year, but also looking at the year ahead? Well, I think like most of my friends, we're spending a lot of time on looking at our structures on how to make our, uh, how we do things leaner and more focused. It's a time to introspect really deeply and you always find incredible areas to, you know, to improve how we do things. Uh, there is ever increasing focus on ESG activities. Most of my time is going in these kinds of things and the digital tools being put in the system and ensuring that our balance sheet remains strong going forward. Sorry, Vividi, I was going to say, just to, to kind of touch on a couple of the, the comments Amit made and, and Janet as well, maybe. So to, to Janet's comment, I, I think different to the financial crisis, companies have had and businesses have had access to funding. So I think you know, it's very different in nature in that there isn't a financial crisis at the core. It's obviously a global pandemic that we're dealing with. And it's incredibly tragic and challenging. Um, but it's very different in nature. And I think, you know, that has, has kind of been helpful for businesses. And then to Amit's point, I think, you know, Indorama for me, and we were talking just before we, we went live today, a great example of many of the positives we found through the research as well. And as I dialogue with Amit, you know, their focus on ESG and some of the opportunities they've seen through this period. You know, I think that's something that we see in other businesses as well, right around the world, which is encouraging. And particularly Jan's point, around you know, this, the research having been done pre-vaccine, I think is really important because you know, it was before, I guess there was a lot of um, optimism or maybe a reason for hope that 2021 would be different because of the, the impact of the vaccines that we're seeing coming through. Firstly, thank you so much to all of you. It's been fascinating uh, to gain your insights on this. HSBC will, of course, have plenty more to come from its Navigator report across its social media channels. Now, you can look out for it, of course. It's available at hsbc.com and business.hsbc.com forward slash navigator and across HSBC social media platforms. Until next time, from me, Babita Sharma. Take care. Goodbye. This concludes the first part of our discussion. To listen to part two of our conversation on this topic, please click on the next podcast in this feed. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.